All right, welcome everybody to the Force Carry Podcast. I'm Jace Cobb, and with me as always is Steve Cook and Fats from the Internet. Another tournament is over, an interesting tournament. Um, We'll talk about it a little bit before we get into that. Um, Steve, what have you been up to? How's everything going? Good. Just it got cold here in the last week or so, cold and rainy. I feel like I'm living in Seattle. Totally understand why so many of those people kill themselves. Um, but uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm not in, we're not in danger of that. The sun came back out today, so we're good to go. Fats, how are you, how are you enjoying the uh, holiday, getting ready for the holiday season in your uh, wherever you are these days? <laughs> I, I am. I'm in a great mood. I'm, I'm not in a depressed mood. Um, Steve, I've got a way to help you out of your depressed mood if you are. I, I don't know. Like, I know why I am in such a good mood. And... Jace, I have a feeling you may be on my side, and I have a feeling Steve is going to get ready to blast me here, but I'm in a good mood because I've been listening to Christmas music for the last two days, and I am an unabashed lover of Christmas music. I um, I had to go and run and get something on my lunch break yesterday, stop at the, uh, the shopping center across from my office, and... Uh, didn't didn't really hit me that we are this close to Christmas until I heard the Christmas music there. Mm. And I I spent a lot of time working retail and working in malls in my late teens and early 20s. And for the most part, I would never want to go back to those days. But one thing, I don't know if it's Stockholm Syndrome, if I had to listen to so much Christmas music then or what it is, but I still, I already see Steve shaking his head. I, I love Christmas music. So Steve, I'm going to suggest, I'm going to send you a playlist that will help you next time you are feeling down. Of I did, I, I took a few days last year and and picked the single best version of all of the the most popular Christmas songs, so I, I've got like a tight three hours of nothing but magic to send you mm. if you need it. I love that. You, you took a couple of days last year to pick out Christmas playlists. Like I either don't believe you, or we gonna yeah. this, this is I, podcast is over. I, I would just listen to. I mean, there's so many different versions of all these songs. So if there's right. if there's yeah. ten versions of a song, then I would just go through and pick the one that is the best. All right. So so that's so here's here's what I'll, I'll say to you. you, what, you I, I did not know your background in retail. Um, that's very interesting, and I'm glad that you know we I know a little bit more about your past now. Um, that is what it is, right? So I own a restaurant, and we are forced to play Christmas music during Christmas you know, the time of year, you know, just people expect it. And it's fine. The first day, the second day, you're like, Oh, I've heard all these songs. The third day you're like, turn this crap off. And then by the 20th day, you know, you just want to, you know, break the stereo with your bare hands. So that's what it is. You're not having to do it anymore. It's optional for you. So the people that do have to be submerged in it, I think that's where the problem is. And I'm not submerged in it. I'm not, you know, there all the time, but, that's the problem is when it's when you when it's forced upon you, yeah. that's the issue. How how early do you start? Like is it playing now or will I it be- absolutely refuse to do anything personally or business Christmas wise until Friday, Friday after, after Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving? Yes. I, I just I, I just have a problem with, with it. No, I, I agree with that completely. Um I don't know how Steve is surprised that Fat spent three days 
um, making a Christmas plate. You're talking about a person that brought strokes gained Bermuda to the masses in a, uh, in a opposite field event. He's deep diving into grass type and putting, uh, up and down. So I'm not, I'm not too, I guess I'm at a loss that you would be uh, surprised that he's got a, um, definitive Christmas playlist of multiple it, artists, multiple songs. It is definitive. I, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it right. I've got some thoughts on this. And I mean, like, I don't, I don't, uh, you know, I kind of hate it, but you know, I'm kind of, you know, anything I have to be exposed to, I try to, you know, you've got the traditional Christmas Bing Crosby crap. Then you've got the new aged Mariah Carey slash any, you know, hot pop star that wants to sing. Where do you fall in that? And there's some stuff in between. You know, there's the Italian Christmas. There's like every once in a while, as it gets really close to Christmas, I really enjoy actually the like choir or like churchy Christmas music, right? Where do you fall? Do you want to hear Dean Martin? Do you want to hear Mariah Carey? Uh, much, I much prefer the traditional, the, the Bing Crosby, the Dean Martin, all of those. Now, I, I mean, I do have mariah carey on my playlist you have to have a little bit of that but it is it's much more traditional than current i'm I, a traditionalist i uh, i love aaron ne- uh, neville's uh neville's entire collection of christmas i think he's my favorite uh christmas uh vocalist i like all the soul guys i like the hymns and what I do like about Christmas music is it gives me an excuse to listen to people that normally I would never admit to any of my friends perfect example i love michael bolton christmas <laughs> and oh, i will bump michael bolton voice of an angel i'll i'll bump michael bolton oh holy night uh all night if i have to but it gives me an excuse to uh listen to some of those things that i would normally not admit to uh other people but i like the hymns i like and uh i, I guess aaron neville is my uh go-to for uh christmas music i like his uh voice on the christmas stuff but i'm you know, I got we got started a little bit earlier in Christmas this year at the Cobb House than normal. Um, I don't know why. Just this year, I think it's been so cold. We had an extremely cold November. Um, there was no fall; it just went from summer to winter. So I think that kind of got everybody in the mood. I see a lot of Christmas lights up already, which is not usually something we see until you know after Thanksgiving. But I'm going to blame it on the temperature. So, but fats, we, we send can... me that playlist sometime. I, I will, and we can we can wrap this up. We don't have to go too much further. But the the last tip that I would give, like that Aaron Neville soulful Christmas, like that's a good place to start. But for anyone out there, if you want to start building a playlist, the guy that did the music for Peanuts, I think it's like Vince Garaldi Trio, something like that. Just search for him, start a station for him, and just start there, and just start thumbs up and thumbs downing stuff. That's gonna be a great starting point for you. <laughs> That, yes, well, I would expect nothing less from you, Fats. That's a great, a great place to start. I hope to see the uh, uh, your playlist sometime in the near future. Um, anyways, there was a golf tournament this week. I, I, I don't know how much time we're going to spend on it. I want to spend a little bit of time on it because I think it's, I think it's really cool. Um, we had talked this August uh, about Brendan Todd, and we had talked about how cool it was that he had won a Corn Ferry event and that he had like overcome his debilitating full swing yips that not a lot of people have had. And here we are in November and he's won two more tournaments since then. And I'm not, uh, I'm not going to be a prisoner of the moment and say, I'm not going to try to go too overboard with this, but somebody could make a pretty good argument 
and I might make a decent argument that he is every right to a comeback player of the year for 2019 as much as Tiger did, even with him winning the Masters. Uh, what he came back from, to me, is more difficult uh, of a place to come back from Tiger because we've seen kind of the problems with Tiger was mainly just purely physical. And he had the chip yips, and he couldn't chip, and he, he was a horrible around the greens. But that, like Steve has alluded to, and I think Haney mentioned it, that kind of might have been some other things going on in his personal life. It's You know, he had his, uh, you know, DUI and that kind of pain pill type stuff he was on all the time after surgeries. That could have affected his short game. Brendan Todd just completely lost his game, couldn't play. Like Smiley Kaufman level, shooting 80s and 79s all the time. He was 2000s in the world, couldn't play at all. And here he is. He's won three tournaments in the past three or four months. One of them's Corn Ferry and two PGA Tour tournaments. And to me, um, I know everybody's talking about the story and beating it to death and, and, you know, this, that, and the other. But it's an incredible uh, story to me about perseverance and finding something and sticking with it and and just grinding because that's a hard place to come back from. I can only imagine uh, what it would take to come back and, and do what he's done. And congratulations to him. I didn't, none of us picked him uh, to win, and he won, you know, uh, and it, it was a neat deal. I don't know what y'all think about that. Steve, what do you think? I, I, I couldn't help but think, um, you know, when I hear all the chatter about that this week, that your take on Tony Romo uh, a few months ago when, when you said, if Tony Romo can make the cut at a professional tournament, it means there's – you know, a couple thousand guys that could, could, could play on tour. And to me, that's the kind of the same thing. I mean, how many guys are out there? I mean, you know, I, I told the story about, you know, my country club, they play this thing called the G tour. I, I have no idea if that's like single a ball or like, you know, literally like a softball league, but these guys all hit at three thirty. They all looked apart. They're all shooting 65s on any given day. So what's the difference, you know? And, uh, I think that kind of shows you that I don't know. Maybe is it all mental? Is it, is it, it just, it's crazy because there's no other sport that's like that. Right. I mean, you can't be the 2000th best basketball player and win the MVP, uh, or, you know, not the MVP, not that level, but you know, you know what I pop up on that kind of level. And as far as the, the comeback player of the year thing, Tiger, you know, coming back. Yeah. It was a surprise, but everybody knew Tiger was a talented guy. This is like, I don't know a guy that's been out of the NFL for a year or two coming back and, you know, uh, you know, making, making an all pro team. So I, I get your point. It ain't going to happen though. No, I don't think it will either. But if you switched them, it would happen. <laughs> if Brendan Todd came back from back surgery and won the masters and Tiger couldn't break 80 for a year. Cause he had the swing yips and came back and won three tournaments. Tiger, you know what I mean? It's more the person uh, yeah. than the actual feet. You know, I read an article about him today. He was talking about in the middle of his, I mean, he couldn't break 80 hardly, um, and he was just losing it all. He was uh, he would try something new with his swing that week, and he'd hit it really good on the range. He'd get out there, and like five holes in, he'd be like, man, this isn't it. I'm hitting it 50 yards right. I've been working on the wrong thing this whole time. I've got 31 more holes before I can finally just go home. And that was his immediate thought after like five holes. Like, i got to be here for 31 more holes, and I've got to try to do something just – I'm just ready to go home. I don't want to be out here anymore. I'm, I'm lost. And he's like, he's just playing for two days with absolutely nothing to play for, just trying to get off the course and to just kind of, you know, fight back and do it is pretty, uh, pretty amazing. I mean, that's how I feel when I'm out with my buddies and it's hot as balls outside and you're on hole 12 and you're just like, I got 
six more holes to get through to start drinking and get to the house. And and that's just me. That That's not trying to make a living doing it. You mentioned, I think you said he was in the 2000th. What I see the lowest he got was 2043rd in the world. But last year at the RSN Classic, which is the tournament we're playing this week, last year, RSN Classic, he was the 2012th ranked player in the world. Today he's the 83rd. I, I don't have a good frame of reference. I've, I can't think of anything off the top of my head quite like this. Rick Ankill is a great story, but he didn't. It would have been like if he came back and won the Cy Young. He came back because he was such a great athlete, but he transitioned to outfielder. Yeah, I mean, he was a very good, just, I don't know, very good. He was, he was a serviceable, above, better than league average, just everyday player and outfielder. But when he, I mean, I remember watching that playoff game where he just lost it completely against the Braves. Couldn't, couldn't throw the ball, had no idea where the ball was going. And he worked his way back, but he changed his entire position. He changed his entire approach, changed his entire career. Might as well have been playing not a different sport, but what he was not doing anything approaching what Brendan Todd has done. But Rick and kill is really the only thing that I can think of that even comes close to it. And it's, I mean, not even comes close to it, but the only thing that comes to mind, even similar to it, but it's not even close to it. Yeah. Like Steve was talking about, it'd be like, whoever is the 2012th ranked tennis player last year is not going to come win three ATP tour tournaments this year in tennis. Like it's just not happening. That's an individual sport. That's probably the closest thing you could compare on, on like a golf format. You know, whoever that guy is, he's not winning. He's not making it past the first round, no matter what he does. If you're, if you're that bad at, you know, it's just, uh, that the pool of golfers that are good and can win, that just goes to show you this guy was, he was shooting in the eighties in competitive tournaments almost every time he played two years ago. And last year he was 2000th in the world, which I don't even know. I don't even know who's in that level in the 2000s with them. Nobody that anybody's ever heard of. And here he is three professional wins in four months. And you know, that just, that doesn't happen in any other sport. It's, um, it's just hard to, you know, that's why we like golf. I and mean, it's that, it's that kind of, it's, it's not only the physical part of it. There's guys like DJ and all them that are, you know, vast, just so far ahead of everybody physically. And that's cool. But everybody else, it's, there's some, it's just basically all what you got between your ears. And that's a pretty, um, you know, good story for golfers. <laughs> if they think they've lost it to, uh, you know, keep trying. Cause you can always, you know, get it back. So. I think you retweeted it. I can't find the numbers right now, but I think it was over a six round stretch when he was at his worst compared to the six round stretch from the last tournament, last tournament and first two rounds at the Mayakoba. And he was, it was like 101 strokes better. It was like 80, 78, 82, 79. And then it was six straight rounds in the sixties. Um, 12 months, 18 months later. Yeah. Be like Smiley coming back and winning three tournaments next year. I mean, and I don't even think Smiley's in the two thousands. You know what I mean? He can't break 80 hardly. So <laughs> that's a pretty wild story. So good, good, right. good for him. The last two players on the PGA tour to win consecutive events are named Brendan and Bryson. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're really growing the tour guys, <laughs> really growing the tour. Uh, that's funny. Well, speaking, speaking of growing the tour and, uh, you know, trying to get out to places, uh, 
or your normal golfer doesn't play and getting some people out there. I think, um, I don't even know where to start on this. We're, we're going to the RSM this week, uh, Sea Island. Um, I'm not from that part of the world. Y'all are close. Steve's real close. Fat's close-ish. You know, I don't know anything about it. I'm sure there's some, you know, history over there, the type of people that, you know, inhabit that area. Um, well, I know where you're headed, okay? Yeah. I, I can tell where you're headed. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll just I'll just give you a little bit of sort of background and, uh, you know, my sort of take on it. And coming off of my last Brendan Bryson uh, mention, um, this is, believe it or not, the final PGA tournament of the decade. Hmm. Okay? Think about it. They're not, not another one this year. And it's weird. Like, usually get – I mean – I feel like we're on we're due for an onslaught of like best of the decade list mm-hmm. and I haven't heard any yet but I mean I'm sure it's coming maybe people forgot about it you know I don't I mean it's it's coming though We'll save um, one Yeah sure I, there's a podcast for us um <laughs> but this event the PGA Tour has decided to hold their last event of the decade at a secluded private Island off the shore of Georgia, off the coast of Georgia, owned, basically owned. There were two resorts on the island, are owned by a billionaire with a very checkered past, uh, mysterious, some might say, um, on an island where very famously in 1910 the Federal Reserve was created. Uh, so this place has a history. Of, um, you know, some, I don't want to say, I don't want to say it's the Illuminati because that's way too, that's a term that I think people like to use to, to, to throw people off the scent a little bit, but let's just say the global elite. Okay. This is almost headquarters for them. Okay. The federal reserve came from here. We've got, we got the last, the last, Davis Love the third organizes the tournament. Mm. Lowest score on this golf course is held by Charles Howell the third, also the defending champion. Mm. And the lowest uh, round or the lowest score ever at this tournament was held by Kevin Kisner. His initials KK. You know, th- this is just a shady place, man. And no, uh, it, not it, in the field this week. Harold Varner the third. Mm. I, there's, I, I don't know how much we want to say because I, I don't want this to get in the wrong hands and shut us down. But the more <laughs> I started reading about this guy, I mean, it's, it's well, crazy. Break it down. Break it down. What's his name? Philip Anschutz. And I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that right. It looks correct, sounds correct to me. But he is, um, as of right now, I believe he's the 40, they say he's the 41st richest man in the world worth, uh, right at $11.4 billion. Um, I'm guessing he's worth far more than that. And that's just all that we know about. <laughs> listen, listen. Let's What's just, that just, name just, from? Where, where's the? Uh, 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 Northern Germany. Okay. <laughs> surprise, Northern, surprise. Surprise. So, 
Listen, let me just skip back a little bit, okay? And just give you a little background, okay? Please. The Federal I don't know how much you guys know about this, but the Federal Reserve is basically the brainchild of a bunch of wealthy folks who wanted a central bank. And um they there was three people, very wealthy folks, that opposed this central bank. One of them's name was John Astor at the time. He may have been the richest person in the world. These three gentlemen were encouraged and given free passage on a ship. Uh, it's an inaugural voyage from London or England to uh, New York, and uh, they were get, they didn't really want to go. They were kind of they thought it was something they had to do because of the companies they were involved with. It was the Titanic. It sank, and all three of those men, the only three pro- opponents to the, cent- the 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 central bank to be known as a Federal Reserve, were killed along with fifteen other fifteen hundred other folks. Um, yeah. That seems like a wild conspiracy theory, and it probably is. But I think that as Fats will detail some stuff, some of this stuff is a little bit too much to just be a coincidence. Uh, do you know what the Anschutz name means? It means to fill up, especially a dam above a water channel serving a mill or a mine. What are the odds that the guy who owns the place where the Federal Reserve was created is named to fill up, and the three people who opposed the Federal Reserve died because a ship filled up with water. I'll give you another one. Okay, they named the resort on Sea Island, famous resort, the Cloisters. Okay, Cloisters is traditionally a religious place. Of course, this one they paint it white, yet it's on the bank of a river. The name of that river, Black Banks River. I, I mean, I, you couldn't make this up. <laughs> well, the more we get into some of this, I um, where was it? These are just some of the nicknames and just some ways that this guy has been described. It, one, he's been described as America's greediest executive. Now That's he's also something, isn't it? Yeah. And then uh, that you keep seeing words that pop up the more you try to read about this guy, and all you hear is secretive and reclusive because he hasn't—he has not spoken on record to the press since 1974. That's 45 years. 45 years just making moves in the shadows, puppet master. Like no one knows what this guy is up to and what he's doing, but he's got his hands, he's got his fingers everywhere. I think he's Perfect part owner of, of, of the, the Lakers. Tour. Doesn't yeah. talk to the media unless he feels like it. It's perfect for the PGA Tour. It is like part owner of the Lakers, um, AEG Entertainment Group. It's like, I think it's uh, Anschutz Entertainment Group. So what did you say? I think they own Coachella. Uh, if, if this guy, they own Coachella, which I'm not sure if you know much about Coachella. We're all a little too old, even though you guys are, are relatively young. Um, Coachella Coachella is probably one of the biggest uh, sources of uh, Satanistic iconography uh, around. Uh, you know, there's people going out there flashing the diamond sign, wearing, wearing the bachamel horns and stuff. It's crazy time. And one more thing, if this guy doesn't, isn't, isn't creepy enough, okay, he got his start into business when he visited, or he, he wanted to get into acquiring businesses when he visited the Broadmoor Hotel in Colorado with his father as a kid. Wait, and I've, he, I've heard of that place. What is yeah, it? Yeah, it's where they filmed the freaking Shining, okay? <laughs> so a little kid shows up at the Shining Hotel, and he's like, oh, this place really inspires me. Uh, the guy's, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong. I'm sure he gives a lot of money to charity. He's very philanthropic, but again, like I said, 
It's not one thing that's bad or weird. It's when these dominoes start to fall or these bricks start to build, then there's something there. And, and these dominoes, we've chronicled this for months now. I mean, it started with the old white. Um, yeah. Where, 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 where are we it's going to New York? It's older and wider. I mean, they had the PGA with the, playoff, the playoffs. They had it on a, a place where they had an Italian internment camp. It was a former, like, radioactive. I mean, it's the PGA Tour seems to be spelling out a message to people who want to know, who want to follow where their tour, their events are located, and they're not doing it in places that are not involved in some way with the broader conspiracy, for lack of a better term. I mean, I hate to say it like that, but you don't go 150 miles from King Jong, Kim Jong Un to have a golf tournament for, and it's just a coincidence, you know. You don't go near Fukushima nuclear reactor uh, to have a golf tournament. Um, it, it, you could have gone anywhere in Asia, you know? Uh, again, we're getting way off the rails here. I don't if think people, so. If, if somebody, you listeners, if, you, 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 this is stuff you need to know because the, the media is not going to tell you this stuff. Steve, what did you say the purse is this week? Mm. Yeah, the purse this week is $6,600,000, okay? Um, just like Kevin Kisner, it's just one character short of being – they're not going to go that far, but it's pretty obvious to me. Yeah, yeah they, they just love flaunting this stuff. And then I'm, I, I think one of you may have said something about uh, maybe he's a philanthropic guy. I don't know if this guy's a great guy or not. He, he's a leading climate change denier. But he also plans to build a 300,000-acre wind farm in Wyoming. I mean, I thought Brooks was a hypocrite, but this guy will play one side against the other as much as he needs to to benefit himself. Donate, donated a tremendous amount of money to Christian uh, charities uh, that were against uh, LGBT rights. Okay, And then inexplicably made a $1 million donation to the Elton John AIDS Foundation. I mean, those two things just aren't adding up to me, you know, unless you're trying to play both sides against the middle because you want us all to turn against each other so you can rule the world from your global elite hideout in New Zealand while we all fight in the streets over breadcrumbs with pitchforks. And everyone like everyone loves to talk about the Denver International Airport. Uh, Is there any surprise that this guy's from Denver? Not at all. I, I bet you uh, there's so many shell companies this guy's involved with that were involved with the construction of that airport and the ongoing stuff. And, you know, I, I got to be honest with you. I've never been to that airport. Jace, you've got to you had to have flown through there, right? Yes, I have. I've been there a few times. How is it? I mean, is, is there like a Chick-fil-A like with like people wearing gas masks? Just, I mean, what's going on? Just craft breweries and <laughs> that kind of stuff. There's nothing, nothing important. It's, so in Atlanta, I think it's funny because they have this. The smokers lounge, and it's like these whoosh, 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 Star Trek type doors. And as soon as the doors open, you look inside, and it's just dregs of society. You know, like I mean, there might be a dude in there wearing a five thousand dollars suit, but his face says, "I smoke meth." Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, I assume there in Denver, it's like the same thing, but with weed. You know, that's it. Just weed yeah. and cr- and IPAs. <laughs> that's all they got at that airport. What? You know, what is the, how, how did the uh, PGA, if this guy's such a recluse, how, how did the PGA Tour even get involved with this? And, and like we've talked about, if somebody is, if somebody uh, shows you who they are, you've got to believe them at some point. 
And these are these are too many breadcrumbs that I think there's something to this. And and this whole grow the game, you know, the first that's that's one oh one. If you're if you're doing if you're doing something like obviously the PGA tour is doing, of course you're gonna send the opposite message out to the masses to confuse them. Uh it's I mean it's all starting to make sense now. I think we're we're on the cusp of really um you know yeah. getting to the bottom of the PGA tour and, and, and who who from the PGA Tour set this tournament up, and why did they choose this tournament? What does Davis Love the Third know? <laughs> you know? Well, well, you do know his who his partner in this deal is, right? I mean, Davis Love the Third is the most responsible play. He lives in 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 the area and brought the tournament down here. And but you know, the other guy that's involved in it is Zach Johnson, who I uh, I mean, <laughs> that dude's putting off some creepy vibes too. You know, like if there's anybody who's like you walk into his house and would have like some kind of mannequin dressed up like a nun that he's got hanging from the ceiling by a noose or something like that's, you know, that's the kind of stuff that would not surprise me out of him. Uh, he wears those giant gloves in the British open. Um, it's yeah, it's, it's basically like them saying like, you know how we try to go out and grow the game and get people involved in youth and everything. Well, let's come to an area where there is no children all the children involved, all the children that play this golf course have a net worth of over $5 million. You know, um, th- nobody's allowed on the range unless, you know, they have gotten vetted and, and they know. I mean, look, it's just to me not exactly the kind of place that really feels inviting to the average fan. I'm thinking about, by the way, it's kind of sparked by our talk today p- p- leading up to this podcast. I'm thinking about driving down on Saturday. It's only about four hours from me. What is what is Seattle like? I, I, we have a a, a a woman that works for us that went to college in Georgia, and I've heard her mention it a few times. Is this an, is this an affluent area? Is this a like a yeah? Like, so what's what's it about? Yes. Yeah, so I, I mean, if you're familiar with the the coastal or barrier islands of South Carolina and Georgia, really it starts all the way up in Massachusetts, like with you know the Martha's Vineyard and all that. But you know, you got the Outer Banks of North Carolina. And then what I think is probably some of the best coastal golf in the entire world, uh, pound for pound, maybe the best. Starting in South Carolina, you've got, you know, you've got uh, Sullivan's Island, uh, Edisto, Hilton Head, Pauly's Island, Kiowa, just all the way down the coast. And then you hit Georgia and there's a little kind of the river, Savannah River dumps out there. So there's a little bit of a marshy area and St. Simons and Sea Island and all that is right south of that. So I would call it a miniature Hilton Head if you've ever been to there. Um, it's it's just, you know, offshore separated from the mainland by like, you know, this little sound. Uh, so you, you can literally, those islands and there's, you know, if there's, I think there's 40 in South Carolina and 20 20 are relatively private, like 10 are private, private, like privately owned. Like you can't come on my island uh, if you don't own property. And um, again, just uh, the just keeps going with the exclusive nature of, the, of everything. And obviously that lends itself to having these these super high end private golf courses. Kiowa obviously is a really famous resort place where they welcome folks. And, you know, uh, again, pound for pound, one of the most expensive beautiful places to have a home down there i mean jordan has houses down there i've I've heard oprah has a house down there it's it's kind of a a crazy place but what the hell are we talking about oh what is sea island all like yeah it's just a really exclusive place they have two resorts on the island sea island beach club and the cloisters and so you can go there 500 dollars a night and stay for a couple nights and then get off our island uh 500 people live there in a gated community 
Um, I assumed that all of them had to swear some kind of blood oath to the Anschons clan, you know. Um, and it's just very, you know, they welcome the golfers down there. And it's really, it's really a, a, a smaller, tighter Hilton Head. And they had these two real high-end golf courses. One of them they're going to play this weekend. Okay. That's the what, Georgia and their exclusivity. They they're just all about the private life over there in that state. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about Georgia. From hearing you talk about Georgia fans, uh, Georgia football fans, and how, every, how everything is just get off my area. That doesn't seem like a place I want to go to. You know what Georgia, the state of Georgia, was chartered as, correct? It it's was a, a prisoner penal, colony. Yeah, it's a penal yeah. colony. I mean, they're a bunch of criminals. And I was born in Augusta, Georgia, but I quickly came back to South Carolina you know, you within eight hours born. of my birth. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it was just a hospital closest by. But um, Georgia is a Wait, weird place. What, what was your mother's maiden name, Steve? <laughs> is she an ancient or whatever Gee, as well? <laughs> it was not. You want me to drop my mother's maiden name, maybe no. the last four of my social security number too? <laughs> just making sure she doesn't have ties to the... Uh, the I wouldn't uh, be doing a podcast with you guys if I had a connection to the Illuminati, that's for sure. Or, or, uh, or maybe you would, being here throwing the masses right. off the scent. <laughs> Georgia's a weird place. If you have never been there, you've got Atlanta, which literally is like, I bet you it's ninety. It's at least ninety percent of the population, and then everything else is crazy rural. You, the coast of Georgia is—they're cursed with these like marshlands. If you've ever gone down ninety-five, once you clear Savannah and Tybee Island, you don't have the beautiful stretch of islands and beach like South Carolina does. I mean, South Carolina from Myrtle Beach all the way at the north, all the way down to the south, is like a constant. Like you know, it's always something, and um, it. In Georgia, they have this, I guess, because that's where the Savannah River dumps out. And there's a lot of marshland. Sea Island's kind of the next thing. And then, you know, you have to get to Jacksonville, really, before the beach starts. So uh, that's probably why they made it a penal colony. Nobody wanted it except for accused um, thieves and prostitutes. The, there are three things that you can get in Georgia that are better anywhere else. Like, you can get Chick-fil-A. That's where it came from. There are more Waffle Houses in Georgia. I believe Waffle House is headquartered in Atlanta. And if you want to get barked at by a grown man, you will be barked at by more grown men in the state of Georgia than anywhere else in the country. I thought you were, I thought you were about to really tweak me there for a second. And uh, as a business owner in South Carolina, uh, people sometimes say, oh, yeah, Georgia has better or more peaches. South Carolina produces twice as many peaches as Georgia. Uh, I don't care about peaches or pecans. They just— they just rape that trademark. They use their high-powered attorneys from Atlanta to steal that from us. But I'll have you know right now that South Carolina produces twice as many peaches as Georgia. The peach state, my ass. Hmm, good to know. Yeah, you're welcome. You should take that with you. It's, just, it's an important fact. Well, y'all, y'all have ruined my opinion on Georgia. I've been to Atlanta once. I'm never going back. Well, until Tech makes the Final Four this year, and I'll be in there. But aside uh, yeah, from that, well. I can't wait. We'll, I'll see you there. <laughs> yeah. Aside from that, never going back. Fats, um, I guess now that we have um, opened the eyes of all of our listeners, uh, let's might as well talk a little bit of golf, I guess, if we're going to do that this week. Are you going to— There's a golf to, tournament this week? <laughs> we're, uh, you know, I guess we'll talk about it. It's not the most important thing, obviously. <laughs> the, federal, the Federal Reserve Open. Yes, I'm, I'm, I've been sitting here for a few minutes trying to think of something clever for RSM, and it's just not coming to me. Uh, I can tell you a little bit about it. It's, it's not a great field, and I haven't done just a huge deep dive on it because I spent way too much time 
figuring out what was going on with, with this Philip Anschutz dude to really worry. Like, I'm trying to solve real-world problems. I'm not worried about a little golf tournament. But they're playing on two different courses. We actually do have shot link back this week. It's on one of the courses. It's on the Seaside course. The Seaside course is where they'll play three of the rounds. Uh, each player, they're going to play one round on the Seaside course and one round on the Plantation course. Surprise, surprise, that that's the name of the second course. But then both courses on the or both rounds on the weekend will be played on the Seaside course. The Plantation course is a little more inland, a little more tree-lined, par 72. The Seaside course is a par 70, short par 70, I think a little under 7,000 yards. It is the one that is a little closer to the shore, a little more uh, out in the elements. But the weather really does not look that bad this week. doesn't look like it's going to be super windy. So I, I think it's going to be nice weather, um, nice course, and a god-awful field. We can break it down a little bit, but I don't have a lot of just super strong feelings because I like a couple of these guys at the top, but they're not guys that are used to being the best guy in the field and guys that like, you know, I don't have to tell you how much I love Webb Simpson. If Webb Simpson is the betting favorite, I no thank you. I love Webb. Webb doesn't win enough tournaments to be eight to one anywhere. He's, I think he's 11,600 on DraftKings, which is outrageously high. Like that's, that's, prime DJ price range. That's Rory price range. <laughs> That's not Webb Simpson price range. Part of the reason I love Webb is because I like playing him when he's 9,400, 9,600. He's going to be a guy who makes cuts and plays well, but 11,6 and at 8-1, to one, like not even I can get on board with Webb there. The, the next guy's in the betting odds. So Billy Horschel, 14-1, to one, he's got some decent history here. And he's a guy similar to last week where I think he's got to take it seriously. He's a good fit for this course, but at 14 to one, like it's just tough to bet him at 14 to one Matt Kuchar, 18 to one. No, thank you. Charles Howell, 20 to one. No, thank you. Harris English, 28 to one. No, thank you. Kisner at 28 to one is probably the first guy that I would even look at. He's won here before. He's got really good course history, a couple other top fives, and he's just a perfect fit for this course. A guy who's going to hit fairways, hit greens as a good putter on Bermuda. We're, we're back on Bermuda this week, thankfully, but then some of the next guys like Alex Noren, Noren's a good player, but he still hasn't won on the PGA tour yet. Scotty Scheffler, um, I don't know if he's ready to win this week, this tournament. Uh, I think this is really going to be more of a putting contest. You look at some of the previous winners. Kisner's had really good success here. Webb has had decent success here. Uh, a guy like Austin Cook won here. Um, who am I forgetting? Charles Howell last year, I think, led the field in putting. This week, like you just want to give yourself as many chances as possible at birdies in a shootout. And then someone who has a hot putter is going to win. Like I would rather, I mean, give me a guy like, this guy sound crazy, but somebody like Denny McCarthy at 55 to one, who's secretly flying under the radar, probably one of, if not the best putter in the world. It, he goes on speed level, hot streaks with the putter, but he's, he's never won a tournament before, but he's a guy that could get hot and, 
have a hot putter carry him. But there's just not a lot of guys in this field. We talked before about, well, this guy doesn't win golf tournaments. This guy doesn't win golf tournaments. It's just a field of guys who don't win golf tournaments. So it's going to be, I don't know, a young guy getting his first win, somebody breaking through, or a guy like um, a Zach Johnson or somebody like that. Even a, a Russell Henley or a Jim Furyk who has won before but probably hasn't won in a while. So it's kind of like I said last week, it got, guys can kind of rejuvenate their career uh, winning a wheat field event like this. Your guess is as good as mine who it's going to be, which I know, I know isn't very helpful and isn't very um, it isn't a lot of great knowledge to drop. But this is, I mean, these events are just a coin flip. Yeah. Steve, you got any thoughts on that field over there? I see you eyeing it uh, deeply, or are you still looking up? Uh, I got all kind of thoughts on <clears throat> okay. this thing. First of all, I got to throw this out there because it's disgusting to me. Okay, uh, they're having the, they're playing this event uh, at the plantation course, and then so the other one, the seaside, the seaside course. Seaside's legit. Built in 1929, resigned by Tom Fazio. You know this this resort was built for again these, you know barons of the of the you know age of the tent uh, 20s and it's you know a legit golf course right the reason why they're not playing the usually when you play a golf course a golf tournament at two different courses is because the field's giant you got to split it up or something the only reason they're playing at the plantation course is because davis love and his stupid company designed the golf course it was a nine-hole course they blew it up and made it 18 and whatever so he just is probably like hey we'll do all this stuff for you but you played one round on this golf course so we can tell everybody a pga tour events played there it's the absolute worst kind of just deception uh, that the PGA tour and all their partners do, you know, again, this golf course, people are going to come down there. They're going to charge $280 for greens fees. Now all of a sudden, because they've had a PGA tour event there, it's garbage. Uh, the seaside course is amazing. You'll see incredible views. You want to, you know, you, you because of proximity, you'd want to say it's like Harbor town, but it's really not. I mean, it's really more like the Kiowa courses It's kind of wide open and you know, it really, it's kind of one of those things where if you blocked out the trees a little bit, you might think you were kind of in an Irish or Scottish setting. It can be, and if it blow, if the wind blows, which this time of year, it's weird. It could be kind of, kind of, kind of sketchy. I think a putting contest is a great way to break it down because that's where the tournaments can be won on the, on the greens. Lots of short irons are going into those things. So uh, another thing that uh, I thought was kind of crazy, I'm taking Brendan Todd this week because I don't give a shit. Uh, I think this is an incredible stat. There's one, two, three, four, four players since 2000 have won three consecutive PGA starts. You want to name them? So I'm guessing Tiger. Tiger's one of them. You said since 2000. Yeah, three guys. Right, this is three guys have done it once since Tiger's 2000? done it five times, which is unbelievable. Yeah, since 2000. Who do you got? Three guys. Did DJ There's, get three in a row? DJ got three in a row. And then I. Is it an obvious name? These are obvious, yeah. I mean, but I mean, obviously, I'm staring at the answer. Rory, Rory, for sure. The, the third one is okay. totally obvious to me when I'm looking at it, but I don't know if you're going to guess it because it's kind of more towards the 2000, the Tiger era. See, I don't know if that's past Duval hot stretch or not. No Duval. Uh, VJ? VJ. Well, that was pretty, that's pretty good, guys. We got that in five guesses out of four guys, but. 
DJ, Rory, DJ did it in 2017, Roy 2014, VJ in 2004, and oh yeah, Tiger Woods did it five different times. Just another one of those stats when you pull out stats about any golfer for the last 20 or 30 years and you're like, oh yeah, Tiger's stats are just insane. And that, that seems ridiculous to me that you could win three golf tournaments in a row five times. Hundreds um, of people collectively did it three times and he did it five. Yeah, thousands, right? Yeah, yeah everybody on tour, I mean... So, um, yeah, that's all I, I, I have no, like you said, it's kind of a coin flip to pick these kind of tournaments at this point. I'm taking Brendan Todd cause you know, why not? Uh, past winner career rejuvenation, uh, it's Chad in the field this week. Uh, yeah, he oh. is. Okay. I was looking at him earlier. What is he? <clears throat> Hold on. Scrolling down, scrolling down. <laughs> Does he have the worst odds in the field? No, I, he's always amongst the worst odds every time we look for him. I think, if yeah, I remember correctly, yeah, he's falling on hard times. That's a, dude. He's old, man. He's old, he's, and he's made he plenty is. of money on he's tour. Fine. He's fine. I, I will. T- I will tell you that, like this this <laughs> week, he's still scroll. He's scrolling down. I, no, I tell he, you, he's uh, not listed on here, but he was listed on the field list. <laughs> no, odds. dude, that, those are the kind of odds. Like when I look for the South Carolina Clemson uh, line next week, that's what I'll. Uh, oh shit, no line. <laughs> uh, that's bad. Well, I don't know who I'm going to pick this week. Uh, Kisner's playing. He is. Give me Kiz. I mean, he can putt. Is Harmon playing? Yes, Harmon. Give me Brian Harmon instead of Kisner. I go Brian. Yeah, he's Harman. got like two top tens this year, I think, so far, right? Yeah, I go Four Brian. Four top twenty fives, maybe. I go Brian. And uh, he uh, he was prolific. A hundred miles from this golf course at Florida, he was a four-time SEC Player of the Year, which is pretty incredible if you think about it. I mean, he, there's a lot of good golfers in the SEC. He grew up in Georgia, though. Why do I think Brian Harmon grew up in Georgia? I could uh, be, I couldn't not be sure if he's from Georgia. I know he went to Georgia, and I I don't know if he lives. If he ha- I don't know if he's one of the Sea Island Mafia. If he's got a place in Sea Island, or if he just lives nearby. But I'm pretty sure he lives in Georgia now. Uh, whether he is from there or not, Georgia or North Carolina, I want to say. Born in Savannah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm li- literally right. like. Uh, 45 minutes down 95 so he's probably spending the night in his home you know uh, actually what what am i saying they're all spending the night at the cloisters but still fast you got a pick are you you're not you're not doing DraftKings this week <laughs> uh i'm still looking at it but with with guys at i mean there's just not enough guys at the top um for lineup construction to really fall into place that easily, which scares me. Um, so I will end up doing something, throwing a little something together, but I'm not going to go crazy this week. Usually going into an event, I have a couple of guys that I like and I have uh, my eye on. So definitely I was on web this week. Um, I like Zach Johnson, but they both are priced up so high that starting a lineup with those two guys just you're scraping bottom of the barrel to fill out. And uh, like I like Boo Weekly. I don't really want to put money on him on DraftKings. And some of those guys at the bottom, um, like I don't want to play Boo Weekly and Duffner and Chad. So If Boo's playing good, Chad's playing good. Uh, We've talked about this before. I mean, Boo's got back-to-back 
top 20s or maybe top 21s. He had like an 18th <laughs> in Houston, I think, and a 20 something his tournament before that. But yeah, we've talked about that plenty of times. If if Boo and Duffner and Chad are all in the field and one of them is playing well, the other two are going to be playing well. Right. So maybe I do need to do that. Like, and I don't Johnson know. I, Wagner. I, I'm just going to throw, I'll throw a tournament lineup together with Chad and Duff and Boo Weekly <laughs> and Webb. Zach Johnson, and then I can I'll see who else I can fit in, and I'll just I'll throw that in one of the three dollar eight dollar tournaments and win fifty thousand dollars and split it with you. But in, in all seriousness, those are veteran guys that can hit it that are playing to like stay on tour. So, like we've talked about yeah. before, this time of year, those are the kind of guys that I would look for if I was gambling because it it really matters to that uh, you know group of players. They don't have a lot of especially Chad. He hasn't got a lot of starts on tour this year. He's got to make the most of what he's got. I don't know what Boo's status is. Probably the same. He's probably playing on a some kind of exemption for money all the time. He, you know, he was good for a while. I don't know. But they don't got a lot of chances. Duffner's got to be running out of uh, status pretty soon. So I, I think he's got – I think this is his last year from the win at the Memorial because I, I think you get a three-year exemption winning Jack's tourney. And I, I believe that – I mean – I don't think his he may have like a career money exemption. I think you get a I, I think know. you get one year if you're top fifty all time money list. Uh that's how um, Chad got another year a couple years ago, uh for that exemption. So I'm sure he's got one of those uh he can still use. So I don't know. Puma Puma might can get him in Puma and Bryce can get him in some new tournaments now. So. Um I I think you mentioned it last week, but a guy like Harris English who mm -hmm. is has no status. And he's got like four top tens yeah. in this fall swing. Yeah, I mean, he's just scratching and clawing, trying to. Uh, he's probably already done enough that he'll be able to uh, take the pressure off and get into some events next year. But guys like that uh, who are uh, they don't they don't want those two thousand guys. They're just as good as Tony Romo to take their place. Once you get that spot, you do not want to give it up. No. So. That's just what I'm gonna be rooting for this week. Uh, I want Boo Weekly or Chad or Duff to win. I, I just want I want someone who It'd be uh, great for this podcast. It would, um, but just someone to to salvage a career. Just keep rolling with the uh, the Brendan Todd story. Give, give give us another good story to talk about. Okay. Well, <clears throat> Steve, what do you got? I see you looking. I uh, so I, I I told you I, I'm thinking about going down to this tournament. Okay. Who would you follow? <laughs> Who's the feature group this week? <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know. I think. I think I would like to do. This is one of those tournaments where I like to get there early, and just follow some randos. And uh, you know, just you ever follow somebody for eighteen holes? Yeah. Like the same times. group. Yeah. And it's it, it's interesting because you get it to is. realize like, oh man, they they do hit really bad shots. Yes. They do like punch out of the woods a couple times around. They will snap hook a tee shot. Absolutely. And so I can't help but what exactly is a coal swindle? <laughs> Isn't that the country singer? <laughs> Why is there a coal swindle concert on Saturday night? <laughs> oh, it is. Okay. I thought it was a golfer. I've heard that name before. Dude, uh, so this is one of the, uh, I'm guessing country just it's so crazy because I'm looking at him and I'm saying, yeah, it's probably country because he's wearing like. You know, he looks like a rap guy's entourage. You know, like a guy that's not cool enough to be a rapper, but he's, you know, dressed like in like a. It's. I'm just, 
I don't understand who these people are. Why are why are they playing in a golf tournament? Is that how they're growing the game? Like by by having cold country swingle? music. Yeah, really, just yeah, growing the game. So, so how do you think? Let's 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 just piece this together. How do you think Cole Swindle got approached to pay to play this this uh, the concert? Do you think maybe like Davis Love the Third was riding down you know ninety five from you know going to Sea Island with his with his son Davis Love the Fourth and he was like or Drew Love sorry Drew Love and he's like who's this Drew he's like oh it's Cole Swindle. Oh, hell. We should get him to play down at the golf tournament. The kids like him? Yeah, yeah. Kids will come out and see it. Oh, okay, cool. We can get some people out of the golf tournament. You know, non Really grow the game. Yeah, we can grow the game. So what are we going to charge for concert tickets? $125. (laughs) (laughs) Cole Swindle Swindle sounds like he should be in the golf tournament, and Drew Love sounds like the guy who should be the musical performer. That sounds like a guy... From the late '90s R and B, like mm-hmm. Drew Love was in Jodeci, wasn't he? Uh, yes. Oh no, Dr- Drew, Drew Love. Hill. That was that was the <laughs> band that sang the thong song, right? Uh, that's correct. Yes. Yes, Cisco. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, so I don't know. I, I mean, I, I just part of me like I, I love to go to PGA tour tournament um, events, not the majors, not you know, like I go to the Wells Fargo a lot. That's a relatively big tournament tons of crowds of people who don't even care about golf. I would assume if I go to the RSM classic at 9 a.m. on Saturday morning, I'm going to have the golf course myself, right? I mean, they, they might even let me inside the ropes. They might let me hit a shot. Yeah. I, I found your group to follow. All right. Well, well you don't, we don't know who it's going to be on Saturday. So who is it on Friday? Uh, okay. Matt, well, who Kuchar, you got? Who you got? Matt Kuchar. Billy Horschel and Zach Johnson. Oh, I, oh I think you can God. get arrested by hole four. <laughs> that 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 is that that is the that's like the kind of group that rolls in to a restaurant and you're like, I'm not waiting on that table. You know, like that. I, I mean, I don't know. They're probably all really great guys, but uh, I, it, it, this tournament just doesn't it seem like a tournament that a couple of friends decided to put on and they're like, holy shit, they're going to give us a PGA tour event out of this. Hmm. Well, I mean, we, Matt, could, we could hope it's that innocent. <laughs> yeah. It's probably, it's probably more of a human trafficking ring <laughs> funneling people to Denver. Yeah. Can I, can I interest you in Jason Duffner, Jim Furyk and Russell Knox? You can absolutely interest me in that. I would absolutely love to follow that group for 18 holes. I think it'd be a blast. I bet you Duffner has a beer with me by 16th hole. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if he now, plays he's playing, but if you're going on Friday by his 16th hole on Friday, he may let you hit a shot for him. I was just let you say, you think him. he's gonna? If I come on Saturday, he won't be there, will he? Probably not. No. He let you putt for him. Is he using full length irons too? No. <laughs> or is he just going <laughs> regular pumas? No. Anyways, well, Steve, that's enough golf. Nobody cares about the RSC. Yeah, nobody cares about <laughs> golf. I mean, let's let's, let's we want a deep dive on Cole Swindell. If that's his real name, I'll give you guys a thousand dollars each. Yeah. Well, br- bringing it back around slightly, I did have a question um, that something uh, you said reminded me to ask. When I was thinking about my retail time earlier, I know we've spoken before about how South Korea may be onto something with this required military service, and I mm-hmm. felt the same way about 
maybe some required service industry time. Like someone should have to work a holiday season in retail, but I'm curious what, like how busy is the holiday season in the restaurant industry? Like what are your biggest days? Is it like Valentine's? Like what is, what is going to be the busiest time uh, for the restaurant industry and when we need to be a little nicer and kinder to the people that are serving us? So it's, it's different, like, you know, like depending on where you're at. I mean, I have a fine dining restaurant in Columbia, South Carolina. Yeah, I know that sounds counterintuitive, but just deal with it. Uh, and, you know, so we don't have seasons necessarily. If you have a fine dining restaurant in a resort area, whether you're in a ski area or a beach area, obviously you're going to have your peaks and valleys for that. But Valentine's Day is the worst because Valentine's Day is like, don't go out on Valentine's Day. I have friends every year that call me like, hey, man, think about checking your place out on Valentine's Day. I'm like, I want I want to say something really profane here. I, I'm just like, no, don't come. Why would you do that? I, I mean, I'm open 365 days a year, and you're going to pick the dumbest day of the year to come out. It's all people trying to get laid. It's all like it's, – it's either – it's one of two things. It's couples that they don't know what to do, young couples who like they don't know what to do. They have to do something special for Valentine's Day, so they got to go out. Or really old couples who are like trying to, you know, salvage the night or whatever, or salvage their marriage or something. It's just a creepy day. I don't like. That's the one day that I don't like. Although it's, you know, probably the. I mean, I could do fifty thousand covers that night if I wanted to. Christmas time is really fun to. Well, it's really good because people are in a good mood. Just the same way that people are in a good mood, and and you know, I don't think retail is the same because people are always, you know, hustling, bustling in malls and stuff like that, but. The restaurants, I mean, everybody's in a good mood. They're always drinking a ton, you know. It's almost like everybody takes the last three weeks of December off. Mm-hmm. I mean, does any work get done in the United States no, no. in December at all, pretty much? No, no. You know, and so it's just everybody's just every – starting on December 1st, every single night will be like a Christmas party. Everybody in there is a Christmas party. And if it's not a Christmas party, it's a foretop of like – People who are just, oh, I'm in town for, you know, everybody's just in a good mood and everybody's wallets are wide open, wide open. And, uh, especially with the economy, the way it is now, which is great. Um, what the hell you asked me? Uh, crappy day. I, I mean, like graduation for us is awesome because around the university and, and the holidays are awesome. The hol- December, when we first started, December used to be like by, by and large, our best month by like almost double. Now it's all evened out, but, um, yeah, it's it's everybody's ready to celebrate, you know. People bringing in their prisoner for you to cork on uh, Valentine's Day. Uh, the young couples trying to uh, fancy. I, I I always know people don't know shit about wine when they order a prisoner. Now you can quote me on that. That's your boy. I thought y'all used to hang out. Uh, Dave Finney. He sold it. He yeah. sold it. I know Dave Finney a little bit, but he sold prisoner for a ton of money to Constellation. Good for um, him. Yeah, good for him. Absolutely, that's a very interesting story. So if you're if you know prisoner at all, like that wine, he actually was just trying to get his start as a winemaker and was buying these random lots. Would buy anything people would give him. They these people kind of tricked him and sold him like some Zinfandel and some other some Charbono and this random red that nobody could make wine out of. Because and then and, and he got it and his uh, he's like I just want to make this wine and his dad was like don't do it. You don't sacrifice your reputation by making a wine when you're not ready. So he threw together this Zinfandel blend, you know, a bunch of grapes that are nondescript and not very expensive, and called it the Prisoner. I can't remember the backstory of the Prisoner, but it, that that painting is a famous painting that's on the label. 
and it blew up, which just goes to show all you kids out there, uh, don't listen to your parents. Don't listen to they your don't parents. know shit. Hmm. <laughs> go, with your, if anybody, go with your if gut kid, and don't listen to your parents. If any kids are out there, yeah, but it was it's kind of cool. I mean, like it's it like is. he just so desperately wanted to be successful that he made these wine. And now, if you drink wine, you know that <laughs> red blends of random grapes is like half a cal. I mean, that's half of what they sell. I mean, it's like everybody's chasing that thing. Uh, and he sold it for like a quarter billion dollars. So good for him. Good. And I will stand by this. Nobody, nobody attracts a crowd of girls at a party like a winemaker. Uh, it's unbelievable. Tell tell people you're a winemaker. Fats, that would be perfect for you. You look like a winemaker. You say, yeah, dude, I'm making wine, you know? Man, I, I got and, a podcast. I make wine. <laughs> I make wine. It's all good. I'm just pursuing what I want to do. And people are like, oh, you make wine? Oh, God. Like, girls, lo- I don't know what it is. Girls love it. There's nothing better. I could quit wearing Damn. a watch when I moved out to the internet, so. Yeah, <laughs> taking <laughs> notes. <laughs> I just usually wear a cardigan and no shirt. It's all good. Time is a man-made construct i don't i'm not held down by things like that uh steve the gamecocks what's going on with the football program um who'd y'all lose to this week uh app state was that this week (laughs) was that this week app state i can't remember it's all i don't know so let me just tell you something that i told a couple of my friends okay First of all, we're in disarray. Uh, I know lots of people out there have been there. Um, Texas Tech, you know, you're not exactly, you know, it's not like you all have hugely high expectations. Mm-hmm. South Carolina, for some reason, has ridiculously high expectations, despite the fact that we are basically a gutter trash of college football. Auburn never really has had a low like South Carolina's had a low. I mean, my freshman and sophomore year at South Carolina, this is a true, seriously, we were 1-21. in 21. One and 21. And so when Spurrier came along, it was like, this is all a bonus for me. And now it's just we're, we're, we're touching the depths of dumpster fire level that only places like Tennessee have seen. Thank God for Florida State this year uh, or else people would probably – I mean, but nobody cares about South Carolina. That's the thing. I, we play Clemson in a couple weeks. Uh, we won five in a row against Clemson. I rubbed it in so hard on everybody I know. They called me a sore winner, which I think is the lamest thing to call somebody. That's only it's something like, a loser would say. Yeah, it's what a loser says. Now we've lost five straight to them. Sixth uh, will be this year. And people ask me, are you going to the game, Steve? Are you going to go to the game? And I put it to them like this, okay? If you told me that my wife was going to get her ass beat on our front lawn, and there's nothing I could do about it, and the whole neighborhood was going to be out there watching. And somebody was going to come over and just beat her ass. Punch her, slap her, slam her on the ground, kick her a couple times, leave her for dead. Nothing I could do about it. I couldn't, I couldn't interfere in any way. Do you think I would show up to watch it? You know, or would I just go play golf and, like, come back and, like, help her nurse her way through, you know, the, the injuries? I mean, there's no way in the world I'll watch that game. Um, we're going to get beat. That line may get taken off the board in Vegas early. Um, If it's less than 40 points, bet your house on Clemson. They're going to beat us like 
I don't know, like a person beats up their wife in the front yard if they're allowed to. I, I don't know. It's going to be ugly. Uh, things are not good here. Frank Martin, you know, Mr. Gout, um, you know, he lost tonight to Boston University. Um, we still, it doesn't matter. We always lose to some scrub team at the beginning of the year. We're still, you know, Under Armour basketball. You know, you guys know we're representing. It's fine. But we got a damn basketball coach dying of gout. Uh, uh, the worst college football coach in America. I mean, we used to have a good baseball program. That sucks now because our baseball coach became our AD and hired Will Muschamp. I mean, things are just really – we're circling the drain here, guys. I, y'all tell me about what y'all do because I don't want to talk about my stuff anymore. Wait, did did you say they lost to Boston University or Boston Market? Uh. I don't know. Five dudes that work at Boston Market, as far as I okay. know. I mean, it might as well be the same thing. But Boston University, I want to say that's like like where Howard Stern got his like degree in broadcasting. I mean, I don't think it's a real college. I mean, I guess they have a basketball team. Whatever. Um, I, I will disagree with one point. Um, there are, for some reason, plenty of expectations around the High Plains. Uh if you looked at Texas as like a electoral college map, I would think Texas Tech fans occupy the largest portion of the uh, state, uh, West Texas, Panhandle. So it's a big area, not a very population-dense area. However, it's a very wealthy area, and there's got a lot some of, new money pouring in too, right? I mean, they new money loves donating to college football programs. There, there's a lot of there's a lot of money that has an opinion on the uh, Texas Tech football program, so. Quite higher expectations than you would think. Uh, not good. Not going good. I think we play uh, Kansas State this week. I think we're favored. I don't understand. Night game for the first time of the year. That's actually kind of exciting. I will watch it. Uh, but more importantly, we also play basketball on Saturday, so that'll be good to watch. And uh, just, you know, keep keep that train rolling because that's really uh, what I care about this time of year. So, Fats, Auburn. Nothing. Absolutely. Um, I guess they got the scare at South Alabama and it woke them up <laughs> because they have just been whipping as ever since then. I uh, was worried about replacing and we're talking about basketball, by the way, because the football <laughs> program, who cares? Um, but worried about replacing Jared Harper, who's probably the best point guard in school history. And Guy they got filling in this year set the school record for assists last Friday, followed it up with, I think he had like a nice 14 and eight last night. He's playing really well. And since he started playing well, the offenses took off, uh, taken off. I'll, I'll use my Alabama public high school education and say took off instead of taken off. Uh, the basketball program is looking really good. Gus, uh, as long as Bruce is there, then they can keep Gus as long as they want and just slowly let the football program die on the vine and just start pushing more money into the basketball program. But if Arkansas would like to hire Gus, if Florida State would like to hire Gus, if South Carolina would like to hire Gus to be a janitor, I, I don't care. If any school wants to hire Gus, then I can be in Auburn in, um, well, if I'm going to help Gus move, I can probably be there in like two and a half hours because I'll be going 140 the entire way. But uh, I will be there to help him move. I've got friends who will be there to help him move. So 
we're just waiting for Gus to get the call and decide that he needs to go somewhere else. And then until that happens, then whatever, we'll just keep watching Bruce Pearl and everything's all right. You're going to beat Alabama this year, and they're going to give <laughs> Gus Malzahn a five-year extension, okay? Happens. You're in purgatory, pal. Uh, Enjoy. It, it, for some reason, a lot of people got really excited a day or two ago and thought that some announcement was going to be made that Gus was either taking another job or that they were going to fire him and he wasn't going to make it to the Alabama game. And if he did that, I started thinking, I, too, was hurt, backup quarterback coming into Auburn. Our defense is still really good. And if Gus, like, if we just locked him in the closet, I think we would have a really good chance at beating them. But then I started thinking, well, if that's the case, then what happens if Gus does have his once every 25 game epiphany where every button he pushes actually does work out right and he does somehow win that game and when i started thinking about that i just started crying and went to bed so it will not surprise me if he actually does win that game you can't fire a coach who's nine and three and just beat alabama it's gonna happen man it's gonna happen i'm telling you it's the stars have aligned uh it's uh, it's gonna happen it's happening i agree with Steve. Wait, is that game is that game in auburn it is. Oh, get out of here. I, I mean, I, uh, it's, it's over. God, I wish. What I would give to have a realistic chance to win a rivalry game again. Man. <laughs> it's like, you know, my daughter hasn't even. I thought she didn't since care. My daughter has, since my daughter has. Oh, I mean, I don't really care. But, <laughs> man, it was so much fun talking shit to all my friends for so long. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's gone. It's gone. My you, daughter you, has never you seen Clemson USC five win. in a row. Five in a row. And uh, I knew it was coming to an end. I mean, I, t- I swear to God, I, I'm not lying here. I swear to God, the fourth win in a row, I went up to Death Valley. We beat their ass. I mean, we were we didn't even we were beating the crap out of them. This is like South Carolina's like best, you know, teams of all time. And I woke up the next morning and my thumb, you can see this, but you know, the the, the listeners out there can't my thumb was so sore and I couldn't figure out why until I made the four sign. And I realized I had done that for so long the night before that I had like sprained my thumb. Um, I had, uh, we, we drove on a bus, a little private bus. We rented back to Columbia. I had a friend threaten to fight me at a rest stop. Uh, we listened to the Dabo Swinney post game show and literally laughed for 30 minutes straight. Um, the guy was a joke and I heard him on uh, Jim Rome show this afternoon. They might as well. He might as well be the king of college football. They've won 27 straight games. Good for him. Unbelievable. Good for Debo. <clears throat> not slowing down anytime soon either. No, he's not. No. I got nothing else to say about that. Fats, Jamias Ramsey, Texas Tech, point guard, freshman, 19 points a game. Next best in the Big 12's eight. Uh, Russell Westbrook, top explosiveness. Remember that name. He'll be something by the end of the year. So that's all I got to say about that. Uh, I think we should think about there's another guard. There's another guard too, isn't it? You said there was like a a Westbrook and um, Mm -hmm. I can't remember who you compared him to. You told me you had, I don't think you said a Westbrook hard in backcourt, a Westbrook Derrick Rose backcourt. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Nice. I'm looking forward to it. Shannon can't shoot though, but he's athletic, can defend. He'll be better as he gets older. Two good freshmen. Be a good year for us. We'll see. Uh, I think we do need to think about the um, best of the decade uh, for next episode. Maybe like our favorite major of the decade, golf moment, that kind of stuff. Might might reach out to uh, our online um, 
a community for thoughts on uh, topics for the best of the uh, decade. We can go into that uh, pretty soon. When's the President's Cup? Two weeks? Three yeah, weeks? The, like the 13th-ish, like a week before Christmas. Okay. Is there a tournament next week? There's no, no the, more official it. tournaments, yeah. This oh, is it till yeah, Tournament of the Champions. Killed. There'll okay. be President's Cup and then Tigers thing. So the hero, but that's 16, 18, 20 players. So. Although I love watching that golf tournament. Every year I really love watching. I think it's because it's buried at the end of Christmas and you're kind of like wish you could get out there. But uh, it's not official. Yeah. No okay. points or anything. Cool. All right. Well, we'll see you next week. Have a good one.